This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. Hello, everyone. It is once again the Texas Gentleman Tanner Pruitt here presenting to you yet another episode of Radio Techers. And on this episode, Mags and I are joined by my good friend and fellow Headlock Talk podcast co-host, the one, the only, Mr. Stephen Grudy. And it's a very special episode because Stephen is completely new uh, to all things uh, football, uh, all things with the beautiful game. And uh, on on this particular episode, what we're doing here is we're trying to help, I guess, guide Stephen and answer any questions that he might have and that you, the listener, might have if you are new to football yourself as well. Uh, so we answer questions about uh, what the roles of captains are, what the roles of managers are, uh, who controls uh, football, who is the governing bodies. Uh, we also answer questions about news, and we answer some questions from you, the listener, on Twitter. Uh, so it's a very exciting episode. I'm very happy with how things turned out. Make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter at Radio Techers, R-A-D-I-O-T-E-K-K-E-R-S. Uh, that, that way you can stay in touch with all of our new episodes. And if you haven't been doing so already, uh, please go on to YouTube and subscribe to Shooting the Sports-ish. That's where you can actually see the video uh, editions of this exact episode. So it's a lot of fun, a lot of great times. Make sure that you subscribe there so you can get all the uh, video episodes of Radio Techers. Um, but uh, otherwise, make sure you subscribe to us here on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, or anywhere else where you might be listening to podcasts. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, back to yet another episode of Radio Tackers. I am, of course, the Texas Gentleman Tanner Pruitt, and here with me, my good friend and co-host, Mags. Mags, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm glad to have a special guest, your good friend and co-host, Stephen <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what's going on, guys? What's going on? What's going on, Stephen? Uh... Stephen, you and I have uh, long been uh, co-hosting uh, Headlock Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. Mag is yes, yes, indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. 
Mags has been a uh, longtime record holder of guest appearances for Headlock Talk. So, mm. so, yeah. so, so this is fuck you, Josh Robinson. <laughs> well, I guess we can't That's monetize better. this video anymore. Oh well. Um... <laughs> we don't even get one f bomb. I don't I think, think it's. I think it's in the first ten minutes, apparently. And yeah. After that, drop as many as you want. I see. Okay. Indeed. Okay. Good to know. Well, we'll we'll figure it out <laughs> one day. Um. <laughs> um. So. Um, it, it is awfully strange, Stephen, because um, I, I don't think that you or I would have ever expected uh, you to be doing a, a soccer podcast. You're really not a sports guy or weren't not a sports guy for the longest time. What brings you here to Radio Techers? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so like you said, I, I've never really been a sports guy per se. Uh, I, I would follow like, uh, you know, NBA playoffs uh, every year. I'd catch a few games. Uh my my dad was super into American football growing up, so so I've seen you know hundreds of hours of American football, um, but it, it just never really clicked for me for for some reason. I, I'm I'm not really sure why it, it just never clicked and never got like super interested in it um, mm-hmm. until I met you, Tanner, and uh, you, you started showing me some some Premier League games of uh, of football and. I don't know why, but something about it clicked with me. Like I, I just I love like the the tactics on the pitch. I, I love you know some of the star players and like how explosive the game can be, where it can just be like a, a very tactical, very like in the head kind of game, and then out of nowhere it's one two three. You know, um, I, I also love how the time doesn't stop. I absolutely love that. That's it's one of my favorite things about it. it I, I think it, it gives the game a sense of uh, a sense of momentum, like throughout the whole thing, and it, and it like crescendos towards the end. Whereas uh, with with more like American sports, I find it it's very stop and go uh, a lot of the time, and, and it's really hard to build the momentum and build the hype towards the end of the match. Um, but with football, with the time continuously going, it's it, ju- it just clicks for me. So um, for for whatever reason. For whatever reason, uh, football has has clicked for me uh, like no other sport has really in my life, and I'm really really enjoying it. Mm, mm. Well, and, and I think that uh, may, maybe uh, maybe our other uh, shows here on shooting the sports ish would take umbrage with this, but I feel truly in my heart that um, uh, one big reason why I have not ever really been able to get onto. Um, NFL football um, mm-hmm. or um, you know th- things like that uh, maybe not as easy is that it, it seems so driven by commercials right and not commercial yeah. like as in like hey we're gonna make some money it's not commercial driven in that sense it, it is but it what I'm talking about is like it, it like you said it's so stop and start. And mm-hmm. and you got to insert a commercial after every couple of downs and then yeah. and then it takes yeah. so long for you to get in through that game. Yeah, and and it's funny, like it, soccer or or football players. Uh, what, mm. What's the terminology we use? Are we saying football? Football. Okay, yeah. so Mag, Mags, I'll let you take players. it from there. <laughs> <laughs> so so football players, they have sponsorships on their jerseys, and somehow the advertising is less in your face than NFL football, and I don't understand how that's possible. Like, uh, like, I mean, like you said, every, you know, third or fourth down, it's here's a commercial, here's a commercial break, you know, word from our sponsors, everything. And in football, it's literally on their jersey, mm-hmm. and it's less in your face than in American football. 
Yeah, it's de- that's definitely an American thing. Uh, the mm-hmm. the majority of like team sports here in the UK are they they usually go for for the half of the game and you have no breaks for sponsors at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I've watched the, f- the the few like basketball and and um, NBA game uh, NFL games that I've watched. There's so many adverts, and we, we here in the UK we're not used to that. You, I think you have like advertising blocks every eight eight or so minutes of, of shows, that, and we have regulations where you can only have it every fourteen minutes. So yeah, mm. it's quite jarring because it takes you out of the sport. You you can be uh, getting really invested, and then all of a sudden you go into a break, and yeah, you you kind of like I said, you lose that momentum. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh, I mean, absolutely. Like every. Every eight minutes, it's really hard to to stay invested in it mm. all the way through. Uh, but man, they they nail it with the Premier League. So, <laughs> well, that that's awesome, man. I'm 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 glad that you're becoming a fan. And I think what we're gonna end up doing is we're gonna we're gonna end up talking more about your fandom. Uh, I know mm. Mags and I are gonna have questions for you about about your fandom, but we we also want to help answer any any questions that you may have, and that's why we're really doing this beginners uh, like a beginner's guide, a beginner's episode into Premier League and Association football because I, I know that there's a lot of people out there, especially here on this shooting sports ish network, um, namely Tony, uh, who are trying to understand uh, how how Taylor sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't say anything because Longhorns went into four overtimes yesterday and still lost. Ooh, so yeah, yeah, I'm hurt. Um, it's actually but, one of the rare NFL football games that I caught. It was uh, it was rough. But but uh, not not to ch- tan- tangent too hard. But there there are a lot of people who will watch this sports network and who will not really be familiar with it or understand it. It seems something yeah. like like something that's that's foreign to people, right? Um, and we want to make sure that we open up the doors to as many people who want to get into the Premier League or get into. I mean, it doesn't even have to be the Premier League. It could be the Bundesliga or Syria or MLS if you really want to do that. Um, <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if, uh, I, I guess what, what questions do you have for us, Stephen? that way? So maybe we can help open up some doors and help answer, uh, maybe some common questions a, be- a beginner football fan would want to know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I've been very fortunate to, to have you two guys here to, to kind of, you know, give me, give me the what's what uh, on some of this stuff. And I, I feel like I've been catching on pretty pretty well but i definitely do have some questions that are are a little uh you know know, out of my league i guess um (laughs) puns yeah (laughs) man that wasn't even on purpose uh so so i'm I'm just going to start it out with with a really quick one uh the whole penalty foul yellow card system is is a little confusing to me so explain the difference between a, a penalty a foul and a yellow card Okay. Um, a yellow card is a, a warning from the referee uh, for for a foul. Uh, usually, you can get a yellow card straight away, depending on the on the severity of the foul. Uh, sometimes you'll get a referee that that is kind of lenient, and he'll give you a, a warning uh, before he starts dishing out a yellow card. Uh, the red card is kind of like. Um, you have that's the end of your game. Once you have a red card, you you sent off the pitch and your team is down by a player. Uh, they're right. normally given for uh, a really severe tackle uh, or um, severe foul. Re- 
Yeah, we recently had one where uh, a player uh, slapped another player in the face, so he got a, a red card. Yeah, um, unsportsmanlike damn. conduct. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like severe unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah. But you can also get a red card for for gathering a second yellow card. So you can do a, a foul uh, that, that garners a yellow card, and then you can do another foul of similar kind of a, um, strength almost, and that will get you a second yellow card, and then you'll be uh, sent off with the red. Um, a okay. penalty is where you uh, a player will have a, a one-on-one uh, free shot at, at goal uh, against the keeper, but that's if a foul has been committed in a certain area uh, of the box, an 18-yard uh, square box around uh, the goal. Um, okay. So basically, it's it's a, a free a free hit at goal. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. and 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 I think Mags Mags nailed it as far as the card system goes because it's 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 a perfectly discretionary kind of thing on the referee's mm-hmm. part, and mm-hmm. and and to be quite honest with you, there's a lot of times where referees miss fouls and things that should be yellow cards that are not carded, like in that same game where, that Mags was talking about, where um, uh, I believe it was Anthony Martial, uh, he slapped yeah. uh, uh, Adam Lamella, Eric Lamella, Adam Lamella, Eric Lamella, um, uh, he. He, he slapped him, and um, uh, I guess at another part of the game, there was another Manchester United player, defender, uh, Eric Biley, and he, he stamped on uh, someone's ankle uh, with his Ooh. cleats, uh, but the referee didn't see that, so it went totally, totally missed. That would have been a red card, I would say, in most scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, those cleats are unforgiving, man. Now, those... Cleats, oh, you're so American. You're so American. <laughs> but what are they boots. called? Boots. Okay. Boots. Okay. See, this football is what I'm boots. here for. This is what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. What what we've uh, what we've seen with uh, the the card system, uh, especially over this season with the with the uh, video assisted referees, actually rescinding of some cards where uh, players have been sent off with a red card and then the, the, the referees watching the game in, in, in the stadium have, mm-hmm. have contacted the referee on the pitch and said, you might want to have a look at that uh, to see if you still agree with your decision. And right. cards have been, have been taken back and some, some cards have been demoted down to a yellow card from a red card. So mm-hmm. we're, we're seeing uh, some new changes coming in with, uh, with this VAR system. Mm-hmm. And, and as I understand, the the VAR is a, a little uh, controversial, maybe, right? Yeah, there was a, uh, uh, especially the Premier League were very kind of like hesitant about bringing it in. There was a worry that it would become. Uh, and I mean, this is not to be uh, like against American sports, but we've, it felt that it was going to become more American, where the right. game would stop and start. Uh, mm-hmm. It hasn't really been like that, to be fair. The the, the decisions come through pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, the ref- I, I agree. The- there's not um, there's not like the huge amount of stu- uh, st- uh, stuttering to the game that we thought there would be. Um, mm-hmm. I've really I think it's it's been good overall. There's been some con- uh, contentious decisions. Uh, VAR uh, as 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 not been without controversy with uh, with, mm. with some of the uh, the the kind of. Uh, fouls that it's given and goals that it's given and stuff like that but it's yeah. it's very much a, a a learning process and and ironing out uh i mean we've had the issue with the handball very recently in uh uh tanner will, will, uh, will know all about that and yeah basically it's taken a lot of uh common sense away from the referee uh because mm-hmm. um the the people again uh fouled for um 
for having their arms in unnatural positions and the 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 kind of the VAR is expecting players to just be have their arms stood by the side whilst they're jumping for a header, which is just not natural. You you use your right. arms for elevation, uh, so that that's uh, kind of caused a lot of uproar. And it looks like uh, the referee is going to be given a little bit more power in terms of kind of using common sense for for things like that. I got you. Yeah, the the handball is is really the one the the controversial calls that that I'm familiar with, like in the uh, the Brighton Manchester United game. Yeah. Uh, that one hurt my soul. That one hurt my soul. I'm not arguing with the ref. You know, obviously he, he's a professional and they have that, that VAR there for a reason for sure, but it did hurt my soul. <laughs> uh, now, uh, if I may ask a question for Steven uh, here, yep. Mags, um, what qualifies as a free kick? Because I think there's, there's a lot of people out there that are like, okay, well that's a penalty for sure, but they may not be mm-hmm. so familiar with the concept of the free kick itself. Okay, so a free kick is generally uh, f- given for a foul outside of the box. Um, so there's a if you if you see a regular football pitch, there's a there's a, like a, a two stage box around the goal. There's the the six yard uh, box for for the goalkeeper, and then the eighteen yard box for uh, for for the penalty. Uh, usually, a free kick is is given for any foul that's on the pitch but outside of that box. Okay, uh, there there are special uh, occasions when uh, a free kick can be given inside the the area um they're called indirect free kicks and they're usually for um for stuff like offside um okay uh, where it's not where a player hasn't been potentially been given uh, uh, like a uh, a goal scoring opportunity uh, that's what it, it usually boils down to mm-hmm. okay see i think where i was getting confused was uh, the the penalty is the kick. It, it's not the foul. A penalty, thinking... a penalty is basically a free kick, just a one on one with the goalkeeper yep. in that right. in that area. See, I was thinking the penalty was some kind of like elevated form of a foul, but but it's actually the act of giving that free kick. It's the foul is its own thing. Yeah, the penalty mm, okay. is, is literally just a free kick in yeah. a certain position. If it, if you were in a certain area, uh, kind of almost like. Um, if you got a foul in NBA where you're inside the key, uh, you get you get free throws. Uh, okay. It's kind of a bit like that. I got you. I got you. Uh, yeah, I think I think you got that spot on there, Mags. Good stuff oh. as always. Um, what? Wh- uh, I I know you have a long list of other questions, Stephen. Yeah, I do. I do. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if y'all want me to just you know go yeah, down. Yeah, just the list. D- dive in. Yeah, go ham, sure. man. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so one thing that's confused me is. Um, there's, there's the premier league there, there's the championship, there's all these different leagues. Right. Mm. But then there's also the, the entity of FIFA. So Mm. what, what is FIFA? What, like, what is their role in the premier league? Like what, what are they responsible for? In terms of the Premier League, I don't think that they're responsible for for very much. FIFA okay. is uh, is the the overall governing body for international football, uh, so that's the 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 countries rather than the actual uh, the the domestic leagues. Um, our our uh, domestic leagues are, are, are kind of controlled with UEFA, which is the European. Uh, 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 football federation and then the the Premier League itself, which which controls uh, the 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 twenty teams that are in the league, and then there are then the 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 tiers underneath that are, are called, controlled by the the Football League, which is it's it's just 
it's kind of like just the second tier almost. Uh, mm. p- uh, if you win uh, or you you place high in that group, you then get promoted into the to the the higher leagues. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and that promotion relegation, I, I, it's one of my favorite things about it as well. It puts a little bit more, a uh, little bit more. I, I don't know what's the word. Yeah, stress. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it definitely puts stress on if you're a if you're a fan of a team that is regularly involved in those kind of uh, those relegation battles at the bottom of the league, mm-hmm. like your two clubs. Um, moving <laughs> along. Wow. Damn. <laughs> um, well, I was actually going to uh, also bring this up here too, in that the, the Premier League is not just about like, okay, well, w- w- is is it controlled by FIFA? Is it controlled by UEFA? Obviously, things can be pr- proposed by uh, by the actual clubs themselves who act as a bit of a governing body as as far as the yeah. owners are concerned. Uh, so, like with today, there was a lot of um, actually all this past week there was proposals being made about like. Um, one of the more controversial ones is being like, uh, should games be sold for pay-per-view, uh, for fourteen ninety-five um, mm-hmm. to help, I guess, um, bring more revenue into the clubs. And I think that vote was passed 19 to one, but it's, it's kind of put a pox on everybody's house, but Lester's, um, uh, now I, I, I think there was another proposal that was issued earlier today, strangely enough by Liverpool and Manchester United in a joint proposal that where they want to, um, ask, I was actually going to ask about this. Yeah. They, they, they wanted to, um, put something in about there being only 18 clubs in the premier league, but there would also be like a huge benefits package and all these other things like passed in accordance with it. So, um, so yeah, you will get that occasionally thrown in there where clubs will come together to propose different measures on the league. Okay. Yeah. I got you. And and the bigger clubs uh like Liverpool, like Man United, uh Chelsea, they they have a lot more uh bargaining power than than the smaller clubs do because they they're essentially the teams that the league are selling uh, through the draw. Uh, yeah, so to speak. yeah, yeah. As, as much as I, I love my team, Burnley, um, no one buys Sky Sports or BT Sports packages to watch Burnley. They watch. Mm-hmm. They want to watch Man United. They want to watch Chelsea. They want to watch Liverpool. So they have a lot of uh, bargaining power in that way. And and if if Liverpool or Man United uh, want uh, something to go their way, it, it's it's more often than not that it would happen. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been talk of the 18 uh, team league for for as long as I can remember. Most of the other uh, countries in Europe actually do have 18 team leagues, um, and we've been kind of the the holdout. Um, we we did lower it down to to 20 uh, a few years ago, but and we was originally at 24. Uh, but I, it will probably come that we'll be coming in line with the rest of Europe pretty soon i would have said uh right. just for the fact to stave off uh the talk of european super league uh because if the premier league lose teams like man united chelsea arsenal liverpool it's a they're, they're, it's a massive revenue for for the premier league as an entity and yeah. um we just we'd, we'd want as a as a uh, a unit to to keep the, the the big earning teams happy i suppose mm-hmm and as yeah. much as as much as I joke, I I would pay the fifteen dollars to watch Burnley Mags. I I would. <laughs> I wouldn't. I find a stream. I definitely find a stream of that match. <laughs> so so tell me what what's the benefit of having fewer teams in, in in the league? Is it literally just shorter seasons, less wear and tear on the players, or yeah, pretty much? 
Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And and then more more emphasis on European competitions. Uh, so like you were uh, the the Champions League or uh, the Europa League, which is the the money maker for uh, UEFA. So mm-hmm. yeah, the, it, it's basically more money in the pockets of the bigger clubs. I got you. I got you. So you you guys touched on this uh, a, a little bit ago. I guess it's like breaking news or, or you know somewhat uh, recent news. But this this project big picture that that I keep hearing about with with Liverpool and Manchester United. Are, are y'all familiar with this? I saw this on on Reddit and, and was very confused as to what it was. So can y'all kind of shed some light on what that is? Um, I actually have an article here per the athletic and I'm going to do my best to not have to like read it verbatim, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best here. Um, basically it's a lot of what Mags has just talked about how, how there has always been a proposal for there to be, or, or there seems to be an ongoing proposal for there to be 18 clubs in the league uh, that would actually amount to a bunch of different benefits here. Um, so this is per The Athletic. Uh, the writer seems to be anonymous here because I'm, I'm not seeing an author's name. Uh, but it's per theathletic.com. You can, te- you can definitely check this out. Um, so what are the key proposals? The Premier League would be restructured to only have 18 clubs in it. Uh, with uh, 24 in the three uh, EFL leagues. Uh, there mm-hmm. would also be just two teams automatically relegated from the top flight, with the third going into a four-team playoff against the third to a fifth place uh, th- against the third to fifth place sides in the championship uh, in a bid to retain uh, their Premier League status. Uh, the uh, thankfully, the Carabao Cup and the Community Shield games would be discontinued because. Who watches those games anyway? Um, um, what are the benefits for the big sides? There are no clear financial benefits based on the initial proposal, but it would give the big six, quote-unquote, and the three teams that have been in the Premier League for the longest stint significantly more power when the votes are held. Those nine mm-hmm. clubs can vote through certain measures with an, uh, uh, an internal two-thirds majority and veto proposed new owners. All 34 games per team... Uh, would also take place on weekends, freeing up midweeks for more European football. So there you go. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Go ahead. I was just going to say that that would have to then pass through the the football league uh, side and the the way that the the Premier League are kind of uh, pushing that through is is to offer, I think it's a 25% uh, revenue share. Um, Yes. So what? So basically, twenty five percent of the the TV deals that uh, the Premier League are able to secure, which uh, are in the billions, and I mean, mm. I mean a lot mm. of money, would then filter down to the 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 teams in the lower leagues, which is kind of like buttered mm. the electorate almost with with uh, with those teams. Mm. One thing that uh, a lot of clubs are are kind of like concerned about is we have a, a system called parachute payments. Now uh, you'll. You'll probably be aware that the the English Premier League is the most lucrative league in the world, uh, and basically to be in that in in that league can set a club up for for decades in terms of mm-hmm. revenue. 
Now, when you are relegated from that league, you lose a lot of that revenue because less eyes are on your club. You're going to a, um, sure. a, a financial setup that you're getting way less funds. So there's a, a three-year parachute payment uh, system where clubs who get relegated uh, get a, a set amount of money uh, every year for for three years to to kind of like prepare them for, for maybe a long stay in, in the lower divisions or to help them kind of boost their way and, and hopefully get uh, promotion straight back to the, the Premier League. But that okay. will be that will be going by the wayside with this with this twenty five percent um shared revenue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the current figure appears to be a two hundred and fifty million pound fund uh to be provided for the EFL to cover their losses due to the pandemic. Um, what else would change? Uh, the article says a lot. Uh, there would be a longer summer break for uh, to allow for more money spending uh, preseason friendlies, uh, yep. uh, while each Premier League club would be required to participate in a summer tournament every five years. A new independent league would uh, for the women's game, uh, not owned by the Premier League or FA would be established. So that's actually really beneficial, I think. Yeah, yeah um, that's cool. Clubs would be allowed to have up to 15 players uh, fifteen players out on loan at a time and up to four at a single club. Significant payments were, uh, would also be made to clubs for stadium infrastructure and across the league. Uh, the, F- the EFL would also give the Premier League the power to sell their broadcasting rights, while the FA would have the option to ask the Premier League to sell the FA Cup television rights both domestically and overseas. And here is where the fans benefit. Um, a, uh, a An away ticket cap at £20 subsidized away travel and safe standing sections, plus uh, all... Uh, plus, away allocations uh, would be uh, either three thousand or eight percent of a stadium. So um, there is certainly, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of benefits here. Um, mm-hmm. Mags, is there any reason why such a proposal would actually receive criticism? Because this all, seems like all sorts of good stuff here. I think. Yeah, and and it does uh, on paper and. and in practice, it probably is going to be good. The the issue is giving the the big six or the big nine, as this talk about this kind of like overarching power. Um, the it it will kind of be like a, a, almost a system like La Liga, where the the big dogs of of uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and uh, in some cases, Atletico would just dominate so much because they have this this overarching power, and it would be harder for for the smaller clubs um, to to kind of break through that that kind of uh, that glass ceiling almost. Mm-hmm. If you um, if you think that there's they'd be reducing the league by two. Uh, so that's already two teams going down, and then they're only having two teams to be relegated. There's less opportunity for for the smaller clubs to to kind of like get into the mm-hmm. the big leagues and, and make a lot of money. But then it's it is being balanced out by the revenue share. So yeah, well, it's it's something that has a lot of potential benefits, but there's also the potential for for maybe it being abused to to better the the clubs that are already rich. Mm-hmm. And I I will slightly rebuttal that it's kind of been that way for at least twenty years now, maybe mm-hmm. more. That the yep. big clubs were already kind of packed in. Um, mm-hmm. Very rarely do you see shifts in the in the top four. I mean, Leicester was the one that broke the glass ceiling. I mean, there's nothing mm-hmm. to say that you can't get another Leicester. Um, I think they've they've kind of proved that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of great benefits here, man. I really do. I really really do. 
Um, yeah, I mean, now that I hear it actually, like, you know, listed out uh, a lot of the changes, they sound really good to, you know, a newbie like me that only understood about 75% of that. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it sounds pretty good to me, but I, I have heard a lot of pushback from people uh, about what Mags was saying, just giving the the bigger the bigger teams, uh, you know, more sway, per se. But, but also to your point, Tanner, from what yeah. I've seen, uh, that's kind of how it is already, honestly. But... Well, what we really need is a mysterious French billionaire to buy Burnley and, and invest a lot of money. I think that that's what there, we need. <laughs> there were there were certainly talks of a, a Qatari consortium buying Burnley recently. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. Well, I was just kidding. But if that is <laughs> if that is a thing, then awesome. I mean, that would be awesome for you guys. I would love to see it. Yeah. Um, what else, Stephen? You've got all uh, sorts of questions. I would, I would, we we want to hear these questions because we know not only do you have them, but there's tons of other people out there who have them. It's true. It's true. Uh, n- next question: What are the responsibilities of the team captain? Ooh, oh, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> I, to I be fair, I, being sarcastic. <laughs> no, no, it's um, okay. it, it, it's usually to to get across what the manager wants, how the manager wants to play. Uh, they are usually the 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 ones that that make sure the rest of the players are in position. Uh, then they know uh, the kind of tactics that they're, they're running through, uh, stuff like that. And I think they also have a lack of, a lot of responsibility uh, behind the scenes in in terms of keeping uh, the footballers um, basically at I don't want to say at bay, but uh, keeping them on the straight and narrow. Mm, uh, right. fo- footballers, you you've got to realise these are these are guys with absolutely tons of money. Uh, can do absolutely whatever they want. Blistering uh, they, levels they, of testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they need somebody to, to make sure they don't go off the rails. And yeah, that's 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 generally the 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 job of the captain. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So he's he's simultaneously like kind of like a like a playmaker on the pitch, but then almost like a uh a, I mean, surrogate, the first word... a surrogate father. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, See, uh, I was going to say babysitter, but that didn't feel right. That, that works as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I feel like the, the best modern day example of a true captain, and Mags will probably disagree with me, but like there, there is, um, I'll, I'll say two, because it's not, it, they're not like your most atypical kind of captains. Because when we think of captains, I think a lot of people think of somebody that's out there with the remaining 10 players that are on in the outfield, right? The two captains that really come to mind for me is is Gigi Buffon for Juventus and Iker Casillas when he was at Real Madrid because they're I mean they are barking orders they're organizing uh, parts of the pitch in the way that they want but it's also a very symbolic kind of player somebody who's been there who holds the values of the club to a high standard they typically mm-hmm. do a lot of media work um, you see them at events um, they're very they're very much held to a very high standard um, but. Uh, Mags, I saw him shake his head, so I'll, uh, you know <laughs> he probably has a yeah, different I image mean, of a captain. <laughs> uh, Buffon and, and Casillas were were great uh, team captains. Mm-hmm. My only issue is having a, a captain 
as a goalkeeper where a goalkeeper is very limited to where they can be on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, I've always felt that good captains are able to to be in the mix. They can uh, they can be all over the pitch, and I think that's why I've always thought that Steven Gerrard made, made a really good captain because yes, he, he was he was always heavily involved in in the game. He was able to like dictate from from pretty much anywhere on the pitch. If you have a goalkeeper as your captain, he's, he might have to shout a hundred yards up the pitch mm-hmm. and and he, his orders may not quite get through. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some people like having a goalkeeper's captain, not me so much. Yeah, I mean, just just thinking about it, I feel like it would be more beneficial to have your, your captain be like a center or, or midfielder of some sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I guess this this brings up all sorts of other questions about, about tactics and maybe what you like, who you see as a captain, you know, what makes a good captain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and I guess like Mags had brought up, do you want somebody who's in the mix? Do you feel like your defense is what needs to be shored up the most? I, th- I think these mm-hmm. are things that managers definitely think about when picking out their captain. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but I think there's also, um, like in the case of somebody like Iker Casillas or Gigi Buffon or even Steven Gerrard for that matter, captains are typically players. You typically don't see the club stripping the captain of the armband too much. There's is usually very consistent uh, when oh, managers, yeah, if if you have a rotation of managers going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, my my next question is it's it's a very it's a very big like overarching question I, I guess, but um, what is the responsibility of the manager? Because it he seems to to have a lot more power than than maybe like an NFL coach would or, or something like that. They they seem to have their hands in a lot more than just what I would you know think of as a coach or a manager. So what what does the manager do? Okay, so the manager's first responsibility is, is to uh, pick the players and the tactics to to win the game, um, right. They also uh, have to adjust those plays and tactics mid-game to to basically uh, combat whether the the team are, are losing or whether they want to to hold on to the the the, the victory that they they, they currently have, um, and they're also heavily involved in bringing in the players that that they think will help fit the team. Now, there's been a kind of like a a renaissance of of. Uh, of player of coaches rather than uh, the managers now, where uh, it's a, a a director of football or a, a group that will pick the players and the 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 coach will will just work with whatever they're given. Uh, but the majority of managers in in especially in European football uh, will have a a large say in what players are brought in, uh, what kind of players fit into their their style. Uh, so yeah, the the essentially the manager is. Is there to to make sure the players uh, win the game? That's that's their overarching uh, their overarching job. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I guess I was just kind of confused on you know, obviously they're they're responsible for what's happening on the pitch, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the background things that go into what's happening on the pitch. But I guess I was kind of confused about like, are, are they doing a lot of like background administrative stuff or, or is it really just, uh, you know, the tactics and the players? 
Yeah, uh, you, you, it's it's a different answer for for each club. Some managers are okay. some managers are incredibly hands on in terms of our training and uh, and uh, tactics and stuff like that. Other managers have a bring in a team to 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 do all that. Mm-hmm. I know uh, there's a a manager in the Premier League called Marco Bielsa, and he has a huge team of uh, of, of sports scientists and nutritionists and uh, and uh, training specialists to help him uh, to help him uh, build his team. Where there's uh, other managers, uh, kind of like Graham Potter, who are very hands on and they like to be involved in in the the day to day training of a club. So it's it's, mm-hmm. it's different. Different horses for different courses. Well, and, okay. and, and I and I love Mags's answer too because it's 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 actually very much of like the same answer for me is like what what makes a good captain? What are the captain's responsibilities? It's, it's a very similar question because different, just like different captains bring different qualities, different managers bring different qualities. Like you mm-hmm. might have somebody who is very philosophical, like a like a Pep Guardiola or a Jose Mourinho, who have a particular style of this is how they play all day, every day, and 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 that attracts certain players. Uh, and then you have other other managers who are more like man managers, like 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 maybe like a Jurgen Klopp, who while he does have a solid philosophy, he's like a he's like a father figure to to the, the players in the locker room. Uh, right. You could have guys who are like. Um, uh, like 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 Sean Dyche of Burnley or or Marcelo Bielsa who who are very much like you know uh they they they're they're kind of like maybe like in the old boss kind of style right where mm-hmm. where you know they 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 try and rally the players around some kind of set collective goal um and uh yeah I, I mean there's a lot of different types of managers out there and I think it just depends on who you're looking at um and, mm-hmm. and what you're, and really what your club needs you know sometimes your club does need a fatherly figure otherwise you you know maybe sometimes your club needs some kind of um uh i don't know shamanistic uh philosopher like pep guardiola it just depends on what your uh what the needs of your club are mm-hmm. okay i got you mm-hmm. um at the uh this is kind of taking a uh, a slight turn but at, at the top of the show y'all had talked about uh you know this being uh, a bye week for for international duty right and if it wasn't uh for <laughs> uh you know if it wasn't for this cup it would be for some other cup so just a quick question are are these kind of bye weeks these international duty weeks is this like the same time every year or um, they, they're not always exactly the same time, but they're around okay. the same period. Mm. Um, they, they, they normally we we have a build up to two major tournaments: the the European Championships and the World Cup. Obviously, you'll know more about the World Cup with uh, with the US being involved in that. But mm. uh, they come every four years, so um, we'll have the 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 World Cup build up. Uh, one year and then two years later so we'll have the the European Championships build up so there's always a two year gap in the in the times that the that there there is no uh tournament on this qualifying for the tournament so they always can't kind of structure the the international matches around that uh, mm-hmm. so basically all the all the European leagues will shut down for a couple of weeks uh, if you have if the the country has no uh, qualifying matches on they'll usually organize a friendly 
just oh, okay. to, to make sure that the national team is, are all kind of like singing from the same hymn sheet almost. They all mm-hmm. know what kind of tactics they, they're going to be playing with in, in, uh, in the upcoming tournaments. But yeah, they, they're not always on the exact uh, strict uh, days, but they are usually in the, the same kind of timeline. Okay. See, and that's one of the things that, that I find really, really interesting with football is the fact that, like, yes, you, you have the Premier League, but you also have all of these cups that are that are taking place and, and you know, uh, going up against teams that you normally wouldn't be playing against. Like, if obviously in, uh, you know, American football and the NFL, it, you're, you're playing the NFL teams. That's it. Like that, that is it. Uh, you know, they might do some some skirmishes and things like that, but but it's really just those teams. With uh, so that's one thing that that I find really really cool with football is, is that you get uh, a little bit more uh, variety, I, I guess, oftentimes in your matchups. Um, but that brings me to my next question. Okay, there are so many tournaments and, and cups and, and you know matches like that 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 aren't in the Premier League, like. What, what's the schedule like how how many cups are there like when do they take place how is how are people de- decided that they're going to be in that tournament things like that like it, it's all just very confusing to me okay um well you want to take this one eggs uh, uh, okay yeah yeah <laughs> uh so i was gonna rant the... really hard so go ahead and take this one so either way <laughs> the, the premier league is the new japan of the sports world there's just tournaments ah, after ah, tournaments ah, after ah, tournaments. I love that. I love it. <laughs> so uh, the major uh, knockout tournaments that, that we have are the the FA Cup and what's called the League Cup, but the, it, it's now called the Carabao Cup because it's sponsored by a company called Carabao. Uh, gotcha. But it's it's generally called the League Cup. Uh, it's a so, waste of time. Uh, and the, the FA Cup is also called the Emirates FA Cup, right? Yeah, that's yes. now sponsored, but nobody okay. calls it that. It's just called the FA Cup to, okay. us, to us fans. That's uh, basically it, it's a, a way for the the smaller clubs to to maybe get a, uh, some some funds in from from winning some big matches against uh, clubs higher up in the league. Uh, but the the qualifying's actually start way earlier into the year, and uh, like you you're talking like September uh, where they they start the the qualifying. Uh, uh, competitions and basically any club that is um, is around in, in in UK football or English football is allowed to enter the FA Cup. Uh, the the lower you are down the divisions, the more qualifying rounds that you would have to go through to to be able to to win the win the cup. So if okay. you start at the very bottom, the uh, the like the the northern leagues and the southern leagues, you may have to go through six or seven qualifying stages to get to the first proper round of the cup. Uh, where if you get up to the Premier League, they don't actually enter the FA Cup till the third round. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it's 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 done like that to make sure that there's a, an even number, so we'd get to a final two. Um, mm. But yeah, the most um, English football fans will tell you how much they love the FA Cup because of the of the romance of it. Of you can have a a club that is at the bottom of the lowest league and they can they can beat the the team at the top of the Premier League and it's just that that kind of giant killing uh nostalgia effect that that you get uh it's just it just makes the the FA Cup so so good to watch and you can on your on 
your your team can have its best day and uh, come up against a, a team who kind of overlooks you, and, and you can knock out uh, a giant of a team, and and you also your club can make a hell of a lot of money because you're you're playing Man United at your your little ground, and you've got all these fans in, and uh, yeah, and it's, and it's kind of like a party atmosphere. Mm. And the same could be said almost for the League Cup. Uh, the the issue with that is. Tanner space. <laughs> yeah, it, it brings so many uh, games into a season, especially when you're uh, at the top of the Premier League and you're you're also in a European competition. You, you, the 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 clubs can have to like, uh, put levels on how much uh, emphasis they put on these tournaments. So most clubs will go with the league is the most important, and then if you're in Europe, that would be the second most important. Then the FA Cup and the League Cup kind of drops right down that list and it's almost becomes like a burden that you have to have these matches in, in the League Cup uh, because you want your players fit for the Premier League or you want your players fit for the the European uh, um, uh, tournaments but for a lower a lower league club it's another chance to to perhaps get a big draw against the likes of a Liverpool or against the likes of a Chelsea and and, and make some money for your club and have that potential of, of, of beating a big a big team Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the flip side of this here too, and and I know that I I jokingly, half heartedly said that the uh, Carabao Cup is a waste of time because I truly do believe that. Um, <laughs> but um, e- even if you are a Liverpool or a Chelsea or a Manchester City or a Manchester United, what the really big thing for me about the FA Cup and even the Carabao Cup to an extent is that it's an opportunity for the larger clubs to give real big game time to players who are in the youth academy or who are on the peripheral of the team. Mm-hmm. You know, without the Carabao Cup, for example, you know, Liverpool might not have guys breaking into the first team like Curtis Jones or Trent Alexander-Arnold or uh, uh, Nico Williams uh, or anybody else like that, right? Um, so, yes, it's, it's a great opportunity for big clubs to field youth players and to really kind of say like, oh, wow, this guy's going to actually break out into the first team. Look how talented they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, but, e- e- yeah. But with that, there's also a, a very fine uh, juggling act because yeah. you aren't allowed to intentionally put out a weak team. You should, uh, you, yeah. No. Uh, now, most... Most big Premier League clubs will will play a lot of uh, uh, younger players or players who, who don't necessarily get a, uh, a Premier League start just to make sure they're getting game time and they're staying fit and uh, they're they're available when when uh, called upon. But the 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 people who run the cup don't tend to like the fact that they'll play weaker teams in it because mm. it kind of takes away the the importance of the cup. Yeah, well, they they want the 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 best example of the clubs, you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I get that for sure. the 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 cups are going to be one thing that I'm just I'm just going to have to experience them to to be able to you know actually actually understand them. There, there's just there's so much going on to it. it. It's just a little confusing to me. But you you guys definitely have shed a little bit of light on there. Uh, well, thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> The the cups will t- usually uh, depend on what team you pick uh, as as the team that you're going to follow. They'll usually be irrelevant because you get knocked out of them pretty early. If you're a Burnley fan, you don't usually last that long in the cup, so they yeah. become kind of a uh, not your problem anymore. Right, right. <laughs> so I want to I want to take it back 
a little bit and uh, just give you a very simple question. What, mm. what are the origins of association football? Where, like, where did it start? When did it start? Things like wow. that. Um, do you know, I, I don't, I can't for, for certain say I, I know. Uh, I know. Uh, well, I know it's play- like the world's oldest sport, right? Basically. Yeah, it's it was, yeah, certainly. I think it was a it, it was def, it was a university game. I think um, mm. I'm going to have to look this up because it will. It's one of those kind of things that I should know. Um, I mean, I didn't mean to put you guys on the spot, you know. Well, no, it's fine. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not editing, so, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> so so Mags is going to give you a very um, English centric answer because that is where the actual birth of association football is, right? It's 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 so it's in this England. is from the Wikipedia. It says, according to FIFA, who are the world but our governing body of football. The con- uh, contemporary history of, of the game began in 1863 in England when rugby, uh, football and association football branched off uh, and the English FA uh, was formed as the first governing body. So rugby, um, which it, it, it's, it's saying it's branched off from, that was a, it's kind of a, a similar game, but you run with the ball in your hands rather than kick the ball. So Yeah, very um, similar to kind of NFL all- football. Yeah, kind of like that, except when you get tackled, you don't stop and the, the game doesn't go to a commercial and you don't restart. You basically have to hand the ball off to another teammate. Um, so, yeah, it looks like it, it broke away. Like people wanted to play with the feet. People wanted to play with the hands. So it was a case of, well, you go and play over there on your own. Uh, we don't want anything to do with you. And, yeah, and, and never the twain shall meet. Yeah, hey, fair enough. Well, and... Uh... I mean, in a historical sense, people have been kicking things for as long as there's been humanity, as long as you can make something to kick. Uh, You know, I mean, that's why you you will sometimes hear that's the world's oldest sport because, you know, there's evidence of, oh, the Aztecs or the Mayans were kicking around a ball or had a a sporting type game where the the feet were used to to kick a ball or the the head of a sacrificed person uh, to the gods or whatever it might be. That's a bit graphic. I I know, I know. But like, you know. Is that a real thing? Good. I, I, mean, I believe so. Yeah. Oh man. Um. So so I mean that that truly too is, is kind of the answer. But I guess in these in these form of it being an organized sport, yes, England is the birthplace of all things footy. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, the I mean my my last question we actually had had talked about uh, at the top of the show, uh, but it was the the whole salary caps thing. And uh, I guess I, w- I was a little confused as as to what that was, or um, I guess misinformed as to what it was. So if you guys want to uh, talk about that real quick. Yeah, sure. Um, there's not really um, a salary cap per se, in, in especially in European football. Uh, I don't know if they, they have that in uh, in South America or, uh, or anything like that. But in European football, it's based around the, the club's revenue. So uh, up to a few years ago, um, basically players and and clubs could spend willy nilly. They could they could if they want. You could essentially buy the league if you had someone who was willing to bankroll your club um, and buy all the best players and pay them the exorbitant wa- uh, wages that they, that they wanted. You could essentially win. You could essentially buy the trophy and, and you right. 
UEFA and the Premier League wanted to kind of curb that, so they introduced something that's called financial fair play. So essentially, a club has to remain solvent during the time that they're that they're in in the Premier League. Uh, what that means is that. Uh, all the the monies that the club spends uh, in terms of wages and transfers um, have to be have to be accounted for, and they're only allowed to overspend their income. So income is, is stuff like gate receipts or sponsorship deals mm-hmm. um, or the revenue from the Premier League. They're only allowed to overspend every season by ten percent. So if a club earns 100 million in in revenue they can spend 110 million uh split between the 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 transfer fees and the um the the wages but that's giving a very simplistic view of it what it mm-hmm. actually has to happen is the the books are balanced over a 3 year period so a club could uh, potentially spend 500 million on players on one season but then they've got They've got two more seasons to to balance that out. That whether that's through selling players or whether that's through getting better sponsorship deals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. If if at the end of that three year period you're unable to to balance it out, uh, the uh, UEFA can then sanction your club. So you uh, you tend to lose points. You get points deducted from the league, or you'll get um, a transfer ban, uh, and you've got to get yourself back into into solvency. What we've found recently is uh, a lot of the lower league clubs who who went through periods of, of spending loads and loads of money to try and get into the Premier League have, have, have come kind of unstuck and, and fell uh, fallen foul to this financial fair play because they, they're not able to, to get that revenue in. Whereas the bigger clubs like Manchester City and Chelsea have been able to overspend and hoard players, uh, and but then when it's time to to balance the books, they've got the 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 manpower to to challenge these rules in 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 uh, a court we've got called the the court for arbitration in sport. Uh, and Man City recently won a landmark case to say that the financial fair play uh, decision was was basically toothless. They had they, they was they had no power. Uh, so now it's looking like that that's going to have to go uh, back to the drawing board. But after that long-winded answer, no, there's essentially there's no salary cap. It's all based on what your club can can earn in revenue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I, I got you. I got you. It, it was. I, I assume this rule was kind of put in place due to Manchester City, or to um, a certain degree. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, they're a big part of it. I think the the main one I, I, that that kind of got the ball rolling was a uh, was Burnley's rivals, the uh, team called Blackburn Rovers. They were one of the earlier winners of the Premier League, and they've. Um, Historically, not been a huge club in terms of uh, in terms of uh, the English football league, but they had a, a benefactor called uh, uh, Jack Walker, who, who spent an absolute fortune uh, getting getting them to win the league. And so, yeah, that that kind of set the wheels in motion. And then other teams like Chelsea and and Manchester City uh, kind of like just took that ball and ran with it, and and eventually. Uh, the, the Premier League and the UEFA had to put a stop to it because teams were essentially buying buying trophies, which right. it, 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 it defeats the, the point of it being yeah. a, a sporting competition. Yeah, I mean, good for y'all, but that kind of defeats the purpose. It, de- mm-hmm. it, it takes the fun out of it, you know, yeah. if it's, if not everyone's, you know, on the same playing field or, or whatever, so to speak. A uh, little pun there. But, uh, 
yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much all my questions, guys. Uh, I mean, you've given me a lot to think about. The, the football is so much more complicated than, than I ever imagined. Uh, I mean, with, with American sports, you have you have the NBA, you have the teams, and that's pretty much it. You know, you have your managers of the teams that, you know, do, do financials. You have the coach with the players, and then the, the NBA kind of oversees everything. But with football, there's there's so many different agencies, like, acting on, you know, the, the Premier League itself, the Cups, and, and everything like that. But but you've answered a lot of my questions, guys, uh, and, I, and I really appreciate it. I'm probably going to have to uh, – have to watch some more games soon and kind of apply some of my knowledge. But I, I wanted to ask y'all if uh, if you had any questions for me as like a as a new fan, a noob fan. <laughs> yeah, Megs. Yeah, go ahead and give give Stephen some questions. I, I I'll pull. I'll, I'll think of some questions here. Okay, so uh, here in in the UK, we tend to to pick our team. Uh, mm. Due to mainly logistics and and kind of geography, you you usually support your local team. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if your local team is really low down the pecking order, like in terms of of the league, you'll find a lot of uh, fans have a, a secondary team, uh, right, right. like a, a a more well known team who they'll who they'll support. Um, first of all, who are your team in the Premier League, and and what? What was the the thinking about picking that team uh, for you to be the the one that you wanted to support? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the, I'm still deciding. Uh, I, I'm very early on in my in my you know football life, so to speak. Uh, I will say the first team that I really really latched onto was Brighton Hove and Albion, and I, I really really like that team. Uh, a lot of the the players specifically. Uh, Tariq Lamptey is one of my absolute favorite players. Uh, he he just has, and it's, I don't know, this, this is a little uh, like grandiose, but he, he just has a lot of heart and, and he plays like, like it's a war out there and, and he plays like he has something to prove with, which is, I, I mean, he's just an absolute joy to watch really. Like he, he's giving 150% effort at all times. Um, so, so Lamptey is definitely one of the biggest reasons that I've latched on to Brighton. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I like their stadium. I, I like their, I like their players. I like the game that they play. Um, you, you mentioned a, a secondary team. Uh, another player that, that I had latched on to was uh, Obama Yang from, from Arsenal. And, and a lot of, did I say it right? Yeah. 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 What do, I, what do you? It's just our Arsenal, you know? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So, so it was Obama Yang and, and I latched on to, to him. He, he's just an, an incredible player and I've watched a lot of his, his highlights and, and he's just fantastic. I, I also, uh, my brother-in-law is a, is a really big Manchester United fan. So I, I've been catching a lot of their games as well. His brother is an Arsenal fan. So I've been catching a lot of those games as well. Uh, but, but honestly, I've just been trying to watch as much as I possibly can right now and, and really nail down uh, which team I, I really want to support going forward. I, I do really like Brighton, and, and I've watched a lot of uh, documentaries, not a lot, but I've watched some documentaries about Brighton and, and kind of their their rise to stardom and their their rise and in, in their placement of the Premier League. And I don't know, man, I'm a sucker for an underdog story. It, it's, it's just really, it's really good. So Brighton is probably my team right now. Uh, subject to change, though, I would say. So... <laughs> 
I, I love the pick of Brighton. Brighton are uh, one of those teams that uh, are very inoffensive to to other teams. Um, they you'll 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 find a lot of uh, Premier League teams that they have enemies. Uh, whether that's mm. whether that's uh, natural rivals or whether that's uh, the um, enemies because of, of how they played in years gone by. Uh, but Brighton are one of those teams that, that everyone kind of looks out for. Uh, like I said, it's the, the classic underdog story, the, the mm. fact that this is a team that has, I've, I've seen these teams playing in the, the very lowest of divisions and the way that they've uh, they've brought themselves up to the Premier League. Uh yeah, it's 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 incredibly admirable. Um, how would you go about if they they suddenly sold Lampte? Would you quickly switch allegiances? Uh, I, I mean, Lampte's definitely the the one that I've latched onto for sure. So wherever he goes, I will follow him for sure. Uh, that being said, though, there there's certainly other players on Brighton that I that I like. Uh, you know, Mope White. Um, uh, Trussard. I mean, there, there's some. There's definitely good players uh, that that I would have to pretty much just shift my focus to. Um, but but yeah, I, I would. I'd probably start watching uh, whatever team Lamptey does get traded to for sure. Because it, it's it's almost an unwritten rule that uh, once you pick your team, that's your team through thick and thin yeah, uh, yeah through the good days and the bad days i mean mm-hmm. I, i'm a burnley fan because i'm from burnley uh, mm-hmm. but we've been at the stage where we were almost out of the out of the the league where uh, we were one game away from survival to the stage where we've been challenging for european places which is something that a team of burnley size should never able be able to do uh, mm-hmm. right now we we're kind of struggling but i i could not as a burnley fan Start thinking. Oh, who do I go and start supporting next week? Because, right, right. Yeah, it's, it, we call them kind of fans, plastic fans or glory hunter fans. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. just like Tanner here, who uh, picked the best team in the league to follow. It, we we'd call him a, a, a plastic. But ooh, shots fired. <laughs> I, I I I don't understand. Okay, no, I don't understand where you're even coming with that. Um, I was actually going to to ask Mags a question based on something similar, now but but up. but yeah yeah. Now, now I don't even want to talk to him. I don't even know what you're even going on about about me being a plastic fan. Um, so so here here's the thing. I I I once read a Bleacher Report article, Mags, about the top clubs that an American fan should uh, should look into uh, if they choose to get into the Premier League. Um, this was probably ten years ago or so. Um, um, number one on the list was actually Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, which is yeah, which is which. Uh, number two was Liverpool. Number one was was Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, so wow. this was back when I was trying to decide what club I would support, and so I went with Liverpool since they didn't even rank number one on that list. Um, that's that's how I, I guess I'll elaborate later. But yeah, screw <laughs> you, Mags. Screw you. All right. I mean, to be fair, if you if you picked Liverpool ten years ago. They were not the best club back no. then. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> it's like I know. It's, That's it's why I'm so in, mad. <laughs> yeah, it's only in the last, um, well, the last five years they've not been no. too bad, but it's the last couple of years where they've really kicked in. Um, not too so, bad. Yeah. Not too bad. 
No, for 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 a, a, a fan from outside Liverpool to yes. to latch onto Liverpool at yeah. a, a decade ago when they were they were pretty mediocre. They, they, no, you can be honest. They were terrible. They were pretty. They were pretty terrible to watch at points. <laughs> um, no, but so so I guess Mags, what would be since since we're talking about an article from ten years ago, what would be today's top clubs that you would recommend for newcomers to look into? Clearly, Burnley. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it, it all depends what you uh, what you want as a fan uh, mm. from football. If you want um, if you want to be like Stephen and kind of like have that underdog story and kind of like that rags to riches uh, um, passion with your club, then then pick a, a a club that's maybe not as high up the league. Someone like maybe Newcastle or somebody like like Brighton. Uh, Wolves is a, another kind of like inoffensive uh, uh, club that everybody yeah. everybody gets behind. Um, if you're looking to to be on like the heart train of, of, of teams that are going to be there or thereabouts and play really good looking football uh, and win a lot of the games, you're going to be looking at teams like Chelsea, like Liverpool, like Manchester United, uh, like City. Um, so it, it all depends what you want uh, as a fan. If you want to be in the thick of uh, of of, the, of winning trophies, then you're going to go for the the more attractive teams, the the teams with bigger name players, the players that you you may recognise. Uh, but if you want to have that that almost kind of like an endearing passion, you you're going to look at, at at teams that you you probably don't know a lot of the players, or you probably yeah. don't know any of the players, uh, and you can kind of learn and grow alongside the club. Well, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I, even to this day, that I find so interesting about Spurs is because they they are that kind of they they kind of have that middle of the road kind of uh, that not mindset but like that that feel like they're not they they are a very big club, but I, I think that oftentimes. Uh, they they are so very often the bridesmaid and not the bride. They're always on the cusp of glory, and then and then like something happens, just as they get right where they want to be, and it all kind mm-hmm. of falls apart. Um, so, so like I I I feel like that sense of elation and that journey would it would be awfully special for a Spurs supporter too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Um, and and I can only imagine what the feeling of elation would be the one day that Spurs do win the league or when they win a, a Champions League, right? Uh, that's going to be a yeah. very special occasion for them. Uh, so that's mm. what that's what I've been trying to impress upon Stephen is is you know you can have that underdog mentality, but also you know be be a, looking at clubs that challenge for honors like Spurs, you know, keeping yourself relevant, um, that kind of thing. Uh, I mean, there's no real need to to mm-hmm. pick a certain team if you don't want to. You mm-hmm. you can you can watch football as as just as a general thing, but yeah. you you don't kind of get that that kind of passion when your yeah. team are uh, are on the cusp of a victory that they may never have got, or they're getting absolutely slammed like a like Liverpool did against uh, Aston Villa, and you <laughs> feel that that kind of. <laughs> That heartbreak, especially when uh, someone from Burnley's watching it live, and you can just see you just dropping as the as the show <laughs> records. Um, but so yeah, if you're if you have, have attached yourself to Brighton, that's a great team to to attach yourself to. Um, just don't expect them to win a lot of trophies uh, because 
yeah, they they're probably not going to. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's something that I that I've kind of uh, I, to I, I about it. and something I've accepted for sure. I, I mean, the the thing that made me like Brighton is, is the game that they're playing. You know, mm-hmm. so it, if continue playing that game then I'm going to continue to be a fan. You know, they, they don't necessarily need to be winning all the championships and, and you know, placing super high in the league because I, I fell in love with with what I saw on the pitch at the first time. So if they keep playing like that, I mean, that's really all I'm looking for, you know. And, and then if I if I want a team to, to follow that that's going to be, you know, in the in the championship every other year or, or whatever I can follow. Uh, you know, I've definitely been following Arsenal, Manchester United. I, I have looked into uh, Tottenham uh, by by the uh, uh, recommendation of Tanner, and, and they play a very good game of football as well. So I, I'm, I'm still – I think I've nailed down my core team with Brighton. I'm still trying to figure out, uh, you know, what my secondary team is. Tanner seems uh, – now, Unimpressed. that's another unwritten rule that we have in, in English football. Your secondary team can never be in the same division as your primary team. That's just oh, no. Okay. no. Okay. Yeah. That's what we were talking about the, previously, uh, another conversation mm-hmm. that we had. You could always pick, you should, if you're looking at a secondary team, look into uh, maybe a Bundesliga team or a Serie A mm-hmm. team or a La Liga team. Uh, well, maybe not so much La Liga. <laughs> <laughs> Liga, get Liga. a farmers team. Yeah, I mean, it would be very respectable <laughs> to pick a a, a a a Dortmund or a Leverkusen or a, a an, an Inter Milan or an AC Milan or yeah. a, I mean, a Napoli. Most uh, the most uh, English football fans have a core uh, of teams that the the results that they'll look out for. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Tanner said, uh, people like Dortmund, Inter, uh, the the big Spain uh, teams in Spain um, will we, we'll kind of look for their results. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say I have a secondary team in who I go out and support, but if if Dortmund do well, I'm I'm quite pleased with them because they're kind of the underdog in 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 Germany. The the kind of like the Tottenham, the the always the bridesmaid, never the bride kind of team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do look out for them, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say I necessarily have them as a secondary team. But if you are looking for a secondary team, definitely think about maybe uh, spreading your wings and 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 picking up some some more European football. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I am going to be getting ESPN Plus. Uh, so uh, I'll definitely have a, a lot of access to that. Uh, based on Tanner's recommendations, I, I've been wanting to to you know take a look at Bundesliga and see what's going on there. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll report back. <laughs> good, good. That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Mags, do you have any other questions for Stephen? Because we've actually got questions from Twitter here before we wrap things up. Okay. Well, I've I've got one more. Okay. Um, so. Being a relatively new football fan, um, who are uh, outside Lampter? Who are some of your favourite players uh, that are currently playing, and who are some of your favourite players that that of, of all time? Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely mm-hmm. from from Brighton, uh, uh, Mope is really exciting. Uh, Trossard. Um, that I, I'm having kind of a hard time with names, to be honest. Uh, I, I can I can recognize faces a lot more than, than I can with names right now. Um, but like I had mentioned, Obama Yang from, from Arsenal. Um, my brother-in-law, uh, John, actually, he's a huge Manchester United fan. And he was showing me a lot of highlights from... Yeah, I know, Tanner, I know. Uh, he was showing me a lot of highlights from a, a player named Schmeichel. 
And, uh, 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 yeah, he's, he is, yes, he is really, really exciting to watch as well. I, I know, the, does he still play? I don't think so. That was No, his son, his son plays for Leicester. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, uh, so, I, I mean, in terms of players that I'm following, I'm still trying to kind of get my you know, get my head around all of the different rosters of, of all the different teams. But I, I certainly have a handful that I'm, that I'm watching out for right now. Okay. So there you go. There, good, there you good, go. Good stuff. <laughs> um, let's see here. So let, let's dive into the Twitter bag here. Uh, yeah. and, and Steven, tell us too, if these are questions that you've considered recently. Okay. Okay. Yep. All right. So uh, we have uh, Craig from Pro Wrestling Musings at Craig PW Musings on Twitter. Craig is a uh, yeah, very nice guy, fellow Liverpudlian, uh, as, as we like to say. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Um, as we as we like to say. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Craig is asking, or, or rather says. Uh, have fans been ruining football for years? No fans equals endless goals. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I mean, we we have spoke about how different the game is with no fans in, um, and how it's it's easier for away teams to pick up uh, victories. But I think the the overriding factor this season is is VAR. That's what's been uh, has been. Like helping with with the, with the goals, the amount of fouls that are given, the amount of handballs and and penalties that we've seen, uh, I think that's a bigger contributing factor than than not having fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think with with uh, with the fans, there, there's there's almost no like home field advantage at, yeah. at this point right now. It's just mm-hmm. it's it's a regulation pitch. Go out and, and play your game. You know, uh, w- without those fans there. It, in your ear, you know, berating you. There's yeah. a like, like you had mentioned, Max. It's very easy for away teams to just go in there and play the football that they know how to play. You know, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think this is, um, this is exactly what we've talked about for for a number of weeks. In that, I, I really do feel as though this time, and it's an interesting time for you to be starting out as a fan, Steven, but I feel like yeah. this, I feel like this time is, is like one of those weird kind of things where it's like, you really have to show how much form and quality you have on that given day. Like you're, you're truly, this is like the truest like test of like, how good are you today? Right. Right. Because you don't have the, the influence of the fans. I mean, um, you know, it, 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 anything could happen. It literally anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it, it is a very unique question. Have fans ruined football? Perhaps not. I, I I would tend to side with Mags here and say that VAR is perhaps the uh, the reason for the the goals. And I guess maybe also too just just general tactical innovations, right? Like like I don't know. Maybe some teams have have gone mo- far more to the attacking point as far as uh uh you know, how to go about winning a game as opposed to maybe planning and coordinating defensive tactics. I think mm-hmm. there's been a lot of people who have criticized the, uh, the current run of games as being tr- defensively dreadful. Uh, right. Um, so I don't know, maybe it's also a, a training or a tactical, uh, kind of lapse in terms of the defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps. Um, let me see here. So thank you, Craig, for your question. Um, 
let me see here. We have our good friend Cam, Cam from the sports market at shooting the sports ish, um, at Cam underscore Manning ninety. Uh, Cam is asking, uh, why aren't we talking about MLS? The talent is clearly better in the states. Jesus. <laughs> We're not talking about MLS because that is where all players go to die. <laughs> Man. Um, Man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Mags isn't wrong. Um, this MLS is a league for people who either couldn't, I guess, would never have the chance to go to Europe or um, they are over the age of 35 and are deemed too old for Syria. They uh, want a massive payday <laughs> and an easy run of, of games. Yeah. And that, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, I, to be fair to the MLS, it's becoming a, a, a really good uh, farmer league uh, for, for young talent. Uh, a lot of uh, young Americans are, are end up in, in teams like uh, Bayern and teams like uh, Dortmund. Um, so there is a lot of talent there. It's just it's just not as well known over here in 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 Europe because mm-hmm. I don't think it's even that well known over in, in in on your side of the pond in the states. It's not football is not a huge sport, mm-hmm. uh, and it it'd be interesting to to see what w- it would take for football to be like a to get a breakout in 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 the states. Would it be winning a major uh, international trophy? Would it be some major uh, US stars in in Europe? Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe the influx of, of Beckham down at, uh, uh, into Miami may help stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's it's football just doesn't seem to break through to to you guys over in the states that that well. Well, it, it's yeah. never been it's never been the most popular sport on a given occasion, right? Like you know, with with the age of mass media, you you have uh, you've always tended to have. Uh, NFL football or NFL style football, and then um, ba- uh, baseball or basketball. Somewhere within those three, those are that's typically the hierarchy. There tends to have not been the proper infrastructure or investment on multiple fronts uh, for um, for for proper football to actually get up off the ground here. So it's typically it's something that you play as a youth, and then if your if your middle school happens to to have a um, uh, a, a soccer team. Uh, maybe you might play there, and then maybe if your if your high school team has a soccer team or even two goalposts, let's say, um, <clears throat> they, they you know then, then maybe you have a team there and that. But I mean, there's definitely doesn't feel like it's the same infrastructure because a lot of it feels so heavily swayed to the other three sports. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's, well, that's, especially down here. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, go ahead. Uh, but especially, you know, down here in the South and, uh, you know, in Texas, but also yeah. in California, it's not the South, but also yeah. in California, football is like uh, American style football is the King. thing. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it is. It is the thing. And, uh, you know, when I was in high school, um, our our football team was, was trash. Like they, yeah. they they were not good whatsoever. But that same that same year, our soccer team went in one state. But no one cared. No one cared whatsoever. And, and I think that right there is really 
really the the evidence of the argument is that like uh the the parents didn't care the the students didn't care and, and it's almost brought up as, as a youth that like oh it's football it's football 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 and that's right. that's all that anyone cares about so when you grow up it's all you care about right yeah you know like like, like take um and this is exactly why you see so many of the the young Americans headed to Europe anyway. Like, if 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 Christian Pulisic never left America, he would just be another dude on the street, right? Like, mm-hmm. you couldn't tell him from anybody else. But mm-hmm. now he he went to Europe. He went to Dortmund. Dortmund made him into a superstar, and then he went to to Chelsea and is on the cusp of being a, a megastar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the most recognizable people, and and you know. If you if you tip uh, if you turn on like NBC Sports here in the states, most of their commercials feature Christian Pulisic sliding on his knees in the Chelsea jersey, because that's the American, that's the guy mm-hmm. who we're supposed to all be rooting for here. Um, right. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, like guys like him. Um, you know, there there's a lot of players who we have that really. Especially the younger guys, they have to go to Europe uh, because that's where the proper infrastructure already is in order for them to succeed. So it's yeah. almost like they have to leave here to try and get, you know, to, to bring glory back in a sense, uh, to, to kind of establish that infrastructure and that investment that's been missing for literally a century. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for I, what it's worth, I'm I'm going to start uh, watching some MLS here soon because I just found out that Austin is getting their own football club, which is really really cool. Yeah. So I, I mean, uh, you know, for better or worse, e- even if it's not you know on the on the same level as Premier League, I, I'm I think I'm going to have fun supporting a, a team that you know is from where I live, yeah. e- even if it is MLS. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think a, a a factor that we we kind of overlooking though is perception as well. Mm, um, yeah. Football uh, football games are generally uh, low scoring in terms of uh, comparing to the likes of NFL and the likes of uh, uh, NBA. And I think um, a lot of Americans are kind of hardwired to to low scoring, meaning boring. Mm. I mean, right. kind of unentertaining, and then we've got the the old factor of, of, that we spoke about earlier about how the, there's no breaks uh, in 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 the half of the game. Where in in in, in the US uh, with basketball and, and NFL, there is this very regular break. So that's that's again is that hardwired into your your psyche almost. So it's it, it's. I think there's a, a definite kind of perception uh, problem with with uh, with football uh, on on your side of the pond, well, mm-hmm. which really is unfortunate because mm. uh, I, I mean I, I think the the low scoring is actually the the opposite. It, it makes it way more exciting, you know. Mm. Yeah, it can do sometimes when you're watching a nil nil draw match, uh, and you think, God, I can't wait for this to end because it's been absolutely boring. Yeah. But there is not doing. But there is also also games where it's nil nil, but the 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 match has been end to end action. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can understand that that viewpoint. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll take a I'll take a nil nil draw. That's a great game over an NBA game that's you know 143 to 167 or whatever. You know, like it's. Wow. I know that's a lot of. I'm making up numbers, but five LeBrons <laughs> on one side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But anyways, uh, I, I interrupted you, Tanner. No, uh, uh, so I was I was actually um, 
I was actually watching a game last night with my wife, magically, somehow. I, I was like, you want to watch a soccer game? And she said yes. And I was like, what? Okay. Um, so so we put on um, we actually put on a game. It, it was uh, it was actually the Bayern Munich Barcelona game because I always like to watch that and it brings a smile to my face. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I played a game with her and I was like, look, um, just pretend every time a goal is scored that it's actually seven points. Like it's like it's how NFL football is here, right? So like if you went and told somebody, look, you know, the the score line was fifty six to fourteen. People would be like, oh, my God, like, what happened, right? Um, I mean, that, that's exactly kind of what it was with Bayern Munich and Barcelona. It just the, the ultimate scoreline was 8-2, right? Um, you know, right. if you told somebody it was 56-14, to 14, they'd be like, man, this is abs- – they absolutely smashed them. What happened here? Um, yeah, so I don't know. I just – you know, that might be a little bit of a game that you, the new person uh, watching Premier League or soccer, could listen to or, mm-hmm. or, or play for yourself. Um uh, let's see here. Uh, we've got one last question, and it is from uh, uh, Chris, our friend Chris on Twitter, um, at IWGP Chris BFC. Chris is asking, how did Tanner become a Liverpool fan? He doesn't have the thickest Scouse accent I've ever heard. Um, this is true. I don't have a thick Scouse accent. Um, I tend to hide it very, very well. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, I mean, if you really want the honest answer, yes. I mean, it was a combination of a bunch of things. Um, and I'll be, I'll be very honest with you guys and telling you, um, I kind of had the same journey that Steven's on, right? Um, as an American, it can be, you don't have that geographic attachment. So it sometimes becomes a little bit more difficult to determine who your team is. So I had, uh, I mean, there were periods where I would watch, uh, Spurs or I would watch Arsenal and I would, I would be heavily like, uh, paying attention to them, or, and I would have friends who were into Spurs or Arsenal, and that would be kind of like the thing, right? Or it would even be like, you know, Manchester United, or I've had friends who were Chelsea fans, right? Um, I, I think what got me was um, a that Bleach Report article where it's like, hey, what are the best clubs that you can kind of focus around and and or or pay attention to, you know, if you're looking to really kind of start your fandom, um, but. It was also, there was a YouTube video of the 2005 UEFA Champions League finals, the game in Istanbul, where Liverpool were down 3-0 at halftime. And the uh, the fans were singing the loudest rendition of You'll Never Walk Alone that I've possibly ever heard even to this day. Uh, maybe, arguably. Um, but it was so emotionally stirring and then the, the 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 players came back on the pitch, and what was it? Within ten fifteen minutes, Liverpool had tied the game. Um, it, it, I think that was just something that it just inspired me, and I was like, "All right, that's it. Like you know, like that's what this club means. That's fantastic. I'm all for it." Yeah. So sometimes you need that 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 passionate uh, spark. Mm-hmm. That 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 was a great match. I mean. Everybody in in England, uh, whether you you supported Liverpool or whether you hated Liverpool, you were behind Liverpool that day because it was just an amazing, amazing day, and it was that was kind of like justification of of the English league being the most exciting league in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially at that time, like AC Milan was like this 
super powerful side. Like they were one of the most well-invested clubs, one of the historically most important clubs in all of European football. They were a powerhouse. And you have, you know, little Liverpool coming out of nowhere, really. They they shouldn't have even ever gone to the finals, really, some people would argue. And they beat the the breaks off of AC Milan that night. So I I guess that's a... that that game will always be special to me. Um, mm. So yeah, I think that 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 really kind of touches everything here. Do you, do it, does anybody else have anything else to say tonight before we roll on out of here? I know we've we've gone almost ninety minutes now. A full <laughs> football game. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just glad that uh, Stevens taking uh, taking the proper football to his heart, and it'd be cool to to hear more of his journey as the as as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm excited to, to watch some more games. I'm super pissed this is a bye week. I was really excited to, to watch some new games. There are some games that I missed, though, uh, so I'll probably go back and watch some of those. Like I said, I'm just trying to watch as much as I possibly can right now. So mm-hmm. I, I'm having a lot of fun, and I'll, I'll definitely report back to you guys. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah, we, we look forward to it, man. Um, Steven, where can the good people listen to more of your content? Yeah, uh, so I am a co-host with Tanner on uh, Headlock Talk uh, every Monday. Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, every Monday we are currently on a small hiatus, but but we will be back. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Grudy Steven. Um, I, I mostly just do a lot of, uh, you know, retweets and stuff like that. I'm probably going to start uh, kind of doing some live stuff for the games because I've I've I've, I've gotten like a, a little emotionally invested in some of these Brighton games and I, I got to let some of my fury and venom out. So, uh, so look, look out for me there. Um, uh, other than that, you can catch me on, uh, I mean, YouTube, uh, Google play. Uh, I mean, all, all the different places. If you want to catch a three P game cast with me, Tanner and, uh, our good buddy, Mike Charlip talking about all things gaming, uh, talking about how pissed off we are, we can't get a PS5 pre-order, uh, all, all different things like that. So, yeah, yeah, you can catch me all all kinds of different places. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. No, that's all good stuff, man. Yeah, I, I've never heard of any of these shows before. Uh, so, so, it's, so it's great stuff for me to go and check out, too. Um, uh, Mags, what about you? Where can the good people find more of you? You can find me at... Josh Robinson double zero. I'm pretending to be a Twitch star, uh, but I've got about <laughs> one, maybe two people who uh, who are in my streams. Uh, oh. I'm probably going to come back to wrestling podcasting soon because uh, I'm a mardy little bitch. Uh, but. <laughs> But you can actually really find me at, at DAJ Kirby. I do way too many podcasts for any human to, to be involved with. Uh, but yeah, I'm always a good time. So come and check me out. R.I.P. Josh Robinson. All right. Yeah, goodness. Uh, Slade. Slade. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, Max produces great content. Steven produces great content. I'm okay, I guess. Uh, obviously, mm. you should check us out uh, on Twitter. We've got our Twitter handles actually below uh, our, our, our screens right there, yeah, so make sure yeah, to go and check yeah, us out yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, all that good stuff. Uh, and make sure that while you're here on this Radio Techers page, make sure to hit that subscribe button uh, wherever you're listening to, to podcasts or if you're watching us on YouTube, as Max is showing us here. 
Give us that thumbs up. Exactly. Give us that old thumbs up. Like the video. Hit subscribe. Uh, make sure to hit that bell as well for all notifications. And uh, please drop us a comment. We would love to actually hear from you guys and let us know what you think. Who is your favorite club? How did you find your favorite club? Why do you like your favorite club? Who is club? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, give us a chat. We would love to hear from you guys. Um, I'm, of course, the Texas Gentleman Tanner Pruitt. I do Headlock Talk with Stephen uh, over here, Mr. Stephen Grudy, uh, as well as the 3P Gamecast with him and Mike Charlop. And then, obviously, you're listening to me here on Radio Techers with Mags. Um, so, like I said, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts, be it iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, Amazon, or anywhere else for that matter, to be honest with you. Uh, your, your listenership is greatly appreciated, so thank you to whoever you are, wherever you are, for tuning in. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>